It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. I think over the course of many years of friendship and knowing human being, there are a lot of interesting, funny, quirky, fascinating moments that you share with a person over years of knowing them. And today's guest, Vani Hari, Whitney and I have both had the pleasure of knowing for many, many years and seeing her wonderful and meteoric rise in the wellness industry with her incredible books and courses and her brand, The Food Babe. One thing people may not know <laughs> of the intricacies of this relationship as we dive into this podcast, which has been a long-awaited podcast. There's been a lot of chaos and setbacks in our lives lately, so it's just so wonderful to have Vani here. But the thing I want to bring up, Vani, as a touchstone is people don't know about our shared obsession for squirrels. And there was a time when we were passing texts back for like a year on and off about our fascination with squirrels and a particular squirrel that used to come visit you. So I want to kick this episode off in a very unconventional way about our shared love for squirrels. Where is that squirrel? How is the squirrel doing? Do you have any squirrels at the new house? Let's just start randomly there. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Jason, Whitney, I'm so excited to be here. Yes, we've known each other for a long time now, like pretty much like eight or nine years. So this has been a long time friendship. And every single time I come to the West Coast, I call you guys to get together. And I haven't been there in so long for many different reasons. But obviously, this reason this year being we've all been on lockdown. So yes, the squirrel, let's get to the squirrel. So just to give everyone a little bit of background about the squirrel is I moved into my current house in 2013. And I set up my office and there was this awesome window that I could look out of. And I had my husband put a bird feeder up so I could see all beautiful birds in the neighborhood. It was so low though, that one particular squirrel would come and jump on the bird feeder and eat all the seeds every day. So the birds would never even make it to the seeds. The squirrels would get to them first. And so I started to leave like whole walnuts and whole pecans and all sorts of goodies for the squirrel on my ledge instead. So he wouldn't eat the bird feed and he'd still eat the bird feed. And I could watch him from my window while I was working, like strategizing on how to get to the bird feeder. Cause some days he would make it, some days he wouldn't. Cause he had to straddle the side of my house for quite a while to get to the bird feeder. But eventually he became very skilled at doing it. And so I would just take videos of the squirrel and I'd send them to Jason and Whitney. And I had no idea that Jason loved squirrels too. And then eventually we started to hand feed the squirrel and the squirrel would visit us every day at breakfast. And I would open the back patio door and the squirrel would be waiting there and I'd hand feed the squirrel a nut and the squirrel would run with the nut on top of our pergola and stand at the very top of the pergola like the queen of our backyard and eat that nut. And eventually, sadly, the house behind us went for sale. And it was a small, tiny little house, but a lot of land. And so some developers saw the opportunity there and knocked down the house, 
killed all the trees, sadly. And so I didn't have a squirrel family anymore after that. Oh, um, no. What yeah. a sad ending. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really sad. And it wasn't up until this year that I've actually seen any squirrels in our yard again. And I think it's because my husband, us being kind of sequestered to this house, has gone absolutely ape shit. And he has literally, we're growing everything you can even imagine in our garden right now. So we have so many fun things for these animals to eat and to get into. But I will tell you a story. We have these two light up poodle dogs we just brought out. And last year when we had them up, they're little Christmas decorations that my mother bought for my daughter. And at first we thought they were hideous. We were like, oh goodness, you know, mom, why are you buying us this stuff? Right. But now we see the joy and the excitement in our daughter's eyes. We're like, let's get all the blow ups. Let's get all the hideous (laughs) holiday decorations out. But it was really funny. A raccoon family came to check out the poodles. And that was pretty awesome to see last year. So we're hoping they'll come back. And there's plenty of food for all these animals in our yard. So we're hoping um, we'll get our animals back now. But we have seen a few squirrels and we just got to train them. And hopefully they'll start eating from our hands again. So that that was pretty awesome. (laughs) It's like living a Disney fairy tale (laughs) with all (laughs) these sweet animals coming around all the time. But it would come every day. You know, it was like coming to visit me. And that's really sweet. So sweet. I love that you're garden and all this amazing food and nature played such a big role in your book, especially the cover, which you were writing about in some of your posts. And it just brought me so much joy looking at the pictures alone from this new book. And speaking of the book, one thing that I'm really curious to check in with you on, Vani, is regarding this post that you put up that I thought was so wonderful because it felt so real and raw. It was on October 28th. I took this note because I didn't want to forget this post. You said, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. The last couple of weeks haven't been easy. And you start describing in detail about how you were eight months pregnant during this global pandemic. You're launching your first cookbook. Your daughter's quarantining. You went on a trip and that led to the quarantine. And actually, no, you were about to leave for the trip. Is that right? No, I did you I, not I have, go on the trip? So, well, the story goes like this. So imagine you're about to come out with something that you've worked on for five years. And the first time around, it didn't happen because your publisher told you they wanted to publish it in black and white. And that just wasn't an option. And then you did whatever you could in your power and begged your agents to help you get out of that contract. And then you finally found a publisher that saw your vision and you made it happen and you worked extra hard even during quarantine with all the restrictions and canceled photo shoots and canceled recipe testing and all the things that need to happen in person for a lot of this material to finalize all the meetings with different various publicity things, all the things that you don't get to do. And then find out the day of publication that there are no books left zero books to be sold. Literally, they're sold out everywhere. There's no copies. And it's not because you haven't printed them because the printer is printing, right? And they're get they're somewhere in the world. They're just not at Amazon or Barnes and Noble or the bookstores because of things out of your control. And it was so disheartening 
to have all this momentum and to have worked so hard for months developing a promotional plan and to all of these awesome opportunities like your podcast and so many more and live interviews with some major celebrities and other things that you had planned that you all had to cancel because there was no point in actually doing it because no one could actually even get a book. And when people were buying the book on publication date, the shipping date on Amazon was like a month and a half away. It was insane. And most people are used to when a book comes out, they get it in two days. You know, they're a prime member, they get it the next day, or they can go to their local bookstore and get it. And local bookstores are closed, or they're only doing curbside pickup. And you know what? They don't even have the staff to unpack the books that are new. That was the case at my Barnes and Noble and so many others across the nation that they have all these new books that they just haven't been able to get on the floor because they only have one and two employees working because no one's coming into the stores. Everybody's on lockdown. And so it was very frustrating to say the least. I mean, obviously so grateful that it sold out. It was incredible that the pre-sales of the book sold out of the copies that we did have. But I was so fed up with what was going on that I was like, you know what? I've worked way too hard. This book is out there. I need to just, I need to leave the country. And so I wanted to book a trip to Mexico and I started looking into it and there was just a thousand things wrong with that. I mean, not to mention that I was eight months pregnant during a pandemic, but the fact that my daughter who is in school now, they would have have required her to quarantine for two weeks when we got back, which would have meant two weeks of no school and not to mention just putting myself at risk and all sorts of reasons not to go. And so I talked myself out of it and just continued to promote the book like it was out there, like it was available, and just sucked it up. It's actually kind of interesting because I think it's so relatable, Vani, like for all of us on some level or another, we have this big thing that we've been working really hard for, looking forward to for our whole lives. In your case, you never thought that you would have an opportunity to write a cookbook, or maybe you always dreamed of it, but didn't know if it would ever happen. And suddenly everything's falling together and then <laughs> then everything starts falling apart. And it's almost like you wanted to escape it or find like a way to, to handle these tough emotions, but you couldn't even do that. In your case, that was going to Mexico. And it's like, not only has everything become topsy-turvy, but you're not even able to do something that brings you more joy. It's like, perhaps you have to like stay, sit with it, handle it, and not like run away from something really frustrating. Yeah. I mean, travel has always been my outlet, like just remove myself from the situation and things will get better. And not having that as an outlet has been really challenging. You know, I've lived in Charlotte for 41 years. So I've lived in a relatively smaller town that doesn't really have, we have, we can drive to the mountains, we can drive to the ocean, but it doesn't really have that kind of get it away feel. And so Travel's always been my outlet for that. And not having that has been really challenging. And not to mention just all the restrictions that go with travel. I mean, shoot, the reason I picked Mexico is because it was the only place open that didn't require uh, stringent testing and, and other protocols that would potentially put us at risk for the trip and other things. So it was something that I didn't do, which my mother and everyone around me, I'm sure, is glad that we didn't do. And now 
what I did was, I think what was so awesome about Food Babe Kitchen is that everything went in, going into the planning of the book, the recipes, making sure there was a photo for every single recipe, making sure that the first half of the book was all guidebook that someone could completely transform their kitchen, everything from what they're using, their pots and their pans to their things that they're storing their food in, how to warm up their food, everything that's in their pantry, how to get the bad stuff out, how to put the good stuff in, taking them aisle by aisle at the grocery store and showing them a poor choice and a, a good choice and all the misleading labels. Like All of that was so important to me. And then the photography and getting the personal side of me in there and the family photos and the family recipes because my mother has like I think four or five Indian recipes in there that is a meal that she makes for us every single week. And it's her creation. And, you know, I don't know any other Indian moms that make kale pranthis, which is like basically a flatbread that she takes kale from our garden and she mixes it with water in a blender and mixes it into the dough and then makes the flatbread. And it's like, my daughter eats this up and it's just awesome to be able to share that recipe with the world. And so the book itself just was everything I dreamed of, everything I imagined. And that was so perfection. But then when (laughs) it was ready to get out to the world, there weren't any copies. And I found myself reaching out to all of my author friends that have released books recently. And they're like, yeah, this is happening. You know, this is just the world we're living in right now. And there's nothing we can do. And Amazon won't even unpack boxes. They have the boxes of books like on their dock for weeks and weeks and weeks. But so many people are using Amazon now because of them being locked down and they are getting everything delivered that even Amazon hasn't been able to like ramp up and been able to meet the demand of what they're going through. And so all of these little things And I think, you know, my struggle compared to most people is like relative because goodness gracious, do every day I have a little mini breakdown based on a business closing or someone dying or someone being affected very unfortunately in terms of having to have a Zoom funeral for a relative because of the situation that we're living in today. And it's like, there's so many more important things out there than having cookbooks in stock, obviously. And so I always keep reminding myself of the bigger picture, which is the cookbook is going to be perennial. It's not something that is seasonal. There's no time date on it. It's not like these recipes are going to expire or the ingredients are going to expire inside the book. Right. And so the book will make its way out to the world when it's time. And right now, could be the perfect opportunity because people are listening and they're at home and they're in their kitchens more. And that was the goal is to get people in their kitchens more for them to understand that cooking can save their life because that's what cooking did to me. Yeah. I just, first of all, Vani, want to congratulate you on the book because I got my copy and my immediate reaction when I started to read it and look through was, this feels like her. And I think that there's a masterful thing that happens sometimes with books where, especially if you know the person, of course, and you know their energy and their vibe and their personality, I just thought it was so wonderful in those pages that it felt like your spirit was infused in the pages. And I find that to be a rare thing when I pick up a book to feel someone in their book. And I just yeah, want to acknowledge I would agree. that. Like, I was like, this feels like Vani. And it also, what I loved about looking through the book too, Vani, is 
it felt so warm and comforting. And we really need that right now. You know, I mean, as you were saying, yes, your book is going to matter to people whenever they get it. And it's not necessarily a rush. And it's tough for you because it's your baby and you you literally have a baby on the way right now. And I imagine there's even some crossover between what it's like to give birth to a child versus a book, something that you're working on and you've looked forward to and you've spent your whole life in some ways preparing for. And a lot of times we have to release our expectations and realize that things are going to come in a way that we don't expect and we have a lot less control over them than we realize. But the nice thing is, Vani, that you masterfully succeeded in making me feel really good and Jason really good. And I'm sure many other people feel good and feel like they're getting to know you on another level, which is really special. Well, thank you for that. And part of releasing this book, which by the way, everybody, it is back in stock. Thank goodness. Only a month later. <laughs> but, yay, yay. Um, it is back in stock and you can get it in time for Christmas. But um, part of releasing this book is I have ignored the baby in my belly. I mean, I just realized the other day I'd taken barely any pregnancy photos. Like this poor baby is not going to even know that they were in my belly. And I had a freak out panic session last night when I started to feel contractions and I'm only 34 weeks. And so I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not ready for this baby. And I'm calling my mother and she's like, listen, babies come when they want to come. And I was like, oh no, uh-uh, I'm not ready. No, like I haven't even prepped my daughter on who's going to take care of her when we're in the hospital. Like, you know, this, no, I don't, I haven't made any food. I haven't done anything. I mean, I haven't even washed a newborn clothes, a piece of clothing. I was like, you know, this is not happening right now. And so literally I was up until midnight last night. I got into the bath so that the contractions would kind of die down. And this kind of happens like towards the end, you just go on and off and you just never know. And it's like every day is a gamble. And so my husband went and washed our old baby car seat and got out all the clothes. And this whole day I've been in nesting mode. And I don't know, something, uh, it's like someone's listening to your prayers, like the painter called today and was like, yeah, I got availability and yay, we can get the nursery painted and I got the wallpaper up and oh my gosh. I mean, it's like a sprint to the finish. And when you have your first child, you have all of this time to think and ponder and plan and you're so excited. And But I think when you are busy chasing around a three-year-old toddler and then also running trying to get cookbook out into the world and also running another company, Truvani, at the same time. It's like, man, like what in the world is going on? And you're doing all of this during the pandemic, which certainly adds <laughs> a whole nother layer of challenges for you, right? Because things aren't the same oh, as when you totally. had your first I mean, child. I used to have like whenever we'd had to do like photography or video shoots or anything for Truvani, and we we're coming up with a lot of new products. I would have a whole team of people that would fly down from New York and like help me. And now it's like me and one other person and that's it. And like, we got to just make it happen. We got a limited staff like to just to get this stuff done and, and it's fine, but it's hard. And then the sampling of products is also very difficult. It's not like I can go hop on a plane and get to the manufacturer and like sit there and like, experiment with these different things. I mean, it's like shipping samples back and forth, like not hundreds yet. We're not at that level, thankfully, but it feels that way because every day I get a new package of a new sample of a new 
formula of a new tweak, a new ingredient change, you know, like, oh my gosh, and just to try to keep up with it all. It's very challenging. And you know what's interesting for you, Vani, especially bringing up challenges, one of the things that I really appreciate you with Food Babe, but also about you with True Vani, is that you work so hard not to compromise on quality. And we were having an offline discussion about this last week, you and I, Vani, how it's so tempting to compromise. There's so many ways to compromise. And I think as consumers, we don't always recognize how frequently brands compromise on their products to save money or time or because it's really hard. And I think one of the most remarkable things about you and your work is that even when it's hard, you do your best to never compromise because you're so dedicated to quality and transparency. And it sounds like that's been another big challenge for you personally and professionally this year. Do you find yourself feeling like tempted to compromise ever or... If not, how do you work through those times where people might even pressure you to compromise just to move things along? Oh my gosh. That's the story of my life, Whitney. Every single day, I get pressured to move things along. (laughs) I bet. Because I have two business partners, one who is very like money and time minded and the other one that's very just like workaholic crazy, right? So and if they're listening, you know who, which one you is which. But anyway, so, <laughs> and I think that's part of what makes Truvani so successful. We all have our strengths, right? And then I'm in charge of ingredients, right? And integrity with products. So like no one can supersede my ruling on ingredient or how the product ends up and what it looks like on the label at the end of the day. So no matter how many down drag out fights we have, about these different ingredients, I win that category every time, which is what makes Truvani, I think, so trustworthy because people understand that I'm not going to create a product that I can't use personally, period, ever. So every day I have, but not everybody sees it like I do. And especially when you're growing as a company, I mean, we just started in February of 2018 was our first product launch. So we're so young as a company, but we were growing so rapidly and we have to hire lots of people. And for them to understand the what we're trying to create takes constant reinforcement. I mean, just this week, I'm having offline conversations with employees talking about if there is a product out there that is better than Truvani, then we have failed at product development. Right. Like we've completely failed. And in this was based on a conversation, you know, they're like, hey, you know, you told me this ingredient was okay to use in this product, but why isn't it okay to use in this product? Well, that's because this product can be used differently. We can make it even better. And it's like everybody wants me to have these like black and white standards so that I could just write every my knowledge down on a like in a book, if you will and give it to the product manufacturers and them being able to go and create things, right? No, it doesn't work like that because I have over 20 years of knowledge about learning about ingredients and things and product use and all of those. I mean, I don't know how many years we went to expos together, learning about how products are made and what manufacturers have to do to create them. And now going behind the scenes in the supply chain and how these ingredients are actually created, how extracts are created, how 
all of these things, I mean, they all have different levels of other ingredients that aren't on the label that no one ever sees and no one's ever questioning. This is not knowledge I can just pass down in writing, right? This is just, I have to be there to ask the questions. And I think I'm finally getting through to my team. And, and I think they're starting to understand, like, you can't come with me, come to me with anything mediocre, like period, or any kind of questionable ingredient, period, because it doesn't meet the Truvani standard. And so it's a constant struggle and it's a constant work. And I've had so many knockdown, drag out conversations. I mean, it's not been an easy thing at all. And I don't want to sugarcoat it and let everyone know that like, oh, it's such a great thing. This has been the greatest thing ever. And it really has been because we are creating revolutionary products for the world. I mean, the best in supplements. But it's also, I just want people to know what's happening in the behind the scenes because this is what it takes because every single change, every single ingredient, every single supplier, preservative, anything in terms of shelf life, all of these decisions come down back to the ingredients. And making the ingredients the best is our number one priority. And if that means that we have to spend more or lose profit, we do it because it's our, it's our number one standard. Yeah. I love that you're peeling back the curtain, Vani, a lot on just getting real about your process and what your experience is. And let's go down that road for a second, because I feel like one of the things that the three of us united on so many years ago were these organic standards, non-GMO standards, quality standards, and obviously realizing that food when selected and prepared and grown mindfully is really medicine for the body and for the being. On another level, you have the Food Babe, which is an incredibly successful blog. You have your books, New York Times bestsellers. You have the Truvani supplement line. You have your house, your amazing husband. You have a second child on the way. You have a lot that is happening in your life all of the time and what you've built over the last nine years. I am curious, beyond food, when you are swept up in, I'm not even sure because we never really talked about, if you experience anxiety, depression, chronic stress, maybe analysis paralysis, the mental emotional side of everything that you've got going on in life, what do you do when you start to feel depressed, anxious, way stressed beyond? Like, What are your practices on a maybe a spiritual mental level in addition to the healthy food that really help you reel it back? Like, what is that experience like for you? Because you have so many things you're juggling in life. I do. And I'm, I'm an anxious person in general. So it's tough. Like, I have to um, really manage my anxiety. And I mean, I could easily, if I didn't put wellness first, I could easily be on Xanax, Ambien, maybe a depression medication. I could easily be on all those things. Wow. Easily. Easily. But I absolutely have to put wellness first. And wellness first for me means I have to exercise. And I don't exercise to like stay lean and whatever. I exercise for my mind. Like if I don't get that exercise in, my mind starts to go bonkers. So that's kind of like my stress relief. And I have to do it first thing in the morning because the day gets away from me if I don't get it done first thing in the morning. And I'll tell you right now, this pregnancy has been very difficult to find the energy to do that because I'm still chasing around a toddler and running these companies at the same time and doing a book launch, doing all the things, right? And so I had a scare this week where my doctor calls me. She says, well, it was the, the nurse that called, but then 
basically the doctor was saying that she checked my blood levels and my iron is dangerously low. And if people know, I don't know, pregnancy, you need to have good iron levels because when you give birth, you lose blood. And if you don't have enough red blood cells, a lot of bad things can happen. So I'm normally anemic anyways, because I have a genetic thing that I was born with called thalassemia minor. So I'm normally like low on the iron level anyways, but I'm dangerously low. And so what do I do? I immediately text Dr. Mark Hyman <laughs> because Perfect. He's, like, you know, he's my friend and he's only one of the best functional medicine doctors in the world. And I'm like, what do I do? He's like, Bonnie, you need to go eat a buffalo. And I'm like, what? I was like, I haven't eaten beef since I was 14 years old. <laughs> and he's like, Buffalo's not beef. And I'm like, no, no, no. And I, I'm like sending my best friend pictures of baby buffaloes going, I can't eat that. <laughs> and anyways, and he's like, he goes, are you tired? And I was like, no, I'm not tired. And he's like, what? He's like, you should be like falling over at that level. And he goes, your mind is way stronger than your body. And I said, whoa. It kind of was like a wake up call to me that was like, holy crap, he's right. Like, if I really am to sit down right now and think about how tired I feel, yeah, I'm effing tired. <laughs> but I got too much to do. I got too many important things. I've got employees that rely on me. And without me, they don't get paid. I have a daughter. I want to make sure he eats real food and is healthy and a husband. And of course, like, my own little baby to take care of in my body. And so I just, I've put everybody else ahead of really paying attention to what I was doing. And so, and the truth be told, I've just been, I haven't been eating a lot of iron rich foods, even though I eat kale and spinach, like they're going out of style and they're growing crazily in my yard right now. So I have no excuse not to keep eating them, but I just haven't been really dialing in the nutrition. So I'm taking some new kind of iron supplements and I'm doing, I'm just taking a big spoonful of molasses every morning, which has a blackstrap organic molasses that has a lot of iron in it. I made a chili today with kidney beans that have iron in it. And so I'm really paying attention now and trying to, to fix this issue. But boy, was it a wake up call because there's all sorts of other issues that start to happen actually when you don't have enough iron in your body depression, anxiety, all the things that I'm, <laughs> I experience anyways. So, so I have to keep wellness first. And now I'm even more uber focused on my diet so that I'm making sure I eat enough iron and hopefully absorbing some of it. I mean, it can take several months to get your iron stores back up, hoping that it doesn't take that long, but it's going to take some time and I'm going to be breastfeeding. So there's going to be, you know, I'm going to really need my energy, but what this taught me is that your mind is more powerful than your body. And no matter what your body is going through, any kind of deficiency or cancer or ailments or anything that you can overcome it with your mind. And I think of Louise Hay and I think about all the affirmations that I was saying when I gave birth to my first daughter about how contractions are sensations, how I never thought of birth as like a painful activity. I just didn't even put that in my mind that it was going to be painful. So it wasn't painful. And people are just like, what? How? Wait, huh? No, no, it's supposed to be painful. 
And I'm sure it was at times, but I just didn't allow my mind to go there. It was like knowing that this is a fixed experience, that I'm going to get to see my baby, that it's not going to last forever, that this pain is or sensation is temporary, helped me get through that. And so now with this iron deficiency that I have, I'm going to be doing the same thing. And, and it's just, it's also allowed me to put some breaks on, I need to settle down now. I've got a month or so to go. I need to settle down. I need to, to sit and focus. I need to take my baths. I need to take my, you know, went back and read one of my old pregnancy posts. I was taking a nap every day, my third trimester at three o'clock. <laughs> I can't tell you the last time I took a nap. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, why, why am I not taking any naps? And so I need, to, I need to find a time for a nap. Yeah. And just get back in the rhythm. But it was just, you know, I've had that huge wake up call. And so normally when I'm not going through kind of all this stuff, if I eating the right foods, staying away from too much caffeine, exercising, sunlight, are the things that really help me stay happy, less anxious. And then there's another mental trick that I do when I have a a stressful conversation and I'm not happy with who I'm talking to or what's happening is I reframe it. So instead of calling the person an a-hole or whatever, I reframe it to how I want the person to be in my life so that I'm creating my own reality. So for example, if there's someone in your life that's giving you the third degree or is being negative, you can say, this person sees, wants you to be so happy and is the most positive person in the world. And you just keep repeating that every time the negative thought gets into your brain, you switch it immediately to the positive thought. And then that person becomes that. And it's pretty beautiful to watch. And it can happen very quickly if you set your mind to it. I really believe that you can create your own reality that way. Here's my question with this technique, and I'm, I'm so grateful for you. First of all, being as real and transparent and humanizing yourself. What I mean by that, as I go into my question about this technique you just shared, is I feel like there's sort of a strange perception online that Whitney and I have faced, and I know you've faced it on a completely different level with the haters and the critical people online. And that's a whole other subject of deflecting that energy or assimilating that energy. But I think it's wonderful that you're talking about your struggles with iron deficiency and rest and this new pregnancy, because in the wellness industry, we have noticed that there's a certain bizarre standard that certain people hold you to, especially when you've accomplished things, right? You have a best-selling book or a TV series or a YouTube channel, whatever it may be, if you talk about like, oh, I'm iron deficient, they're like, well, you were supposed to be the leader. What do you mean you're iron deficient? Aren't you supposed to know what you're doing? You're supposed to have all the answers and you have all these New York Times bestselling books. Like We've noticed over and over again, there's a certain style of person in the wellness industry that wants to, I don't know about attack, sometimes attack, but maybe like poke holes. Like, we thought you knew what you were doing. I guess you don't. It's like, I'm a human being. Like, I'm not supposed to be perfect all the time. First of all, just love, Vani, that you're talking so openly about your challenges, right? And humanizing yourself. Because it's like, yeah, you are this amazing expert and beacon of truth and wisdom, but you're also a human being who changes and evolves and has different needs, right? It's like, I, I don't understand why people don't get that. Yeah, you are all human beings. It's like, you know, I'm not a perfect either. You know, it's not like my body's been craving kale and spinach, but not much 
not many beans, not many nuts, not some of the things that have higher. I've eliminated my eggs because of I noticed that I get a little bit of eczema when I eat eggs. So like, there's a lot of things that have iron in it that I've eliminated from my diet just because I haven't been craving it, not realizing that I need to be eating it, right? Even though I'm still eating super healthy and organic food. And so it's like, we're humans, right? And so, and this is something that I think I've tried to translate when I share my activism work or share about the chemicals in food and what we shouldn't be eating. I think there are so many different things we shouldn't be eating, right? And things that I share, but it's ultimately your decision whether you want to eat it or not, right? I just want to share the information so that you know, and then it's up to you to figure it out. And we all have to become our own health experts, our own health investigators. We have to advocate for ourselves. If anything is taught us about this year, the government is not going to save us, right? The requirements that are coming out of the government are not for our wellness. They are Band-Aid solutions. And we have to realize that we have to become our own nutritionists. We have to know about our food. We have to get tested or blood tested and see what we're deficient in so we can make those different tweaks and changes. There isn't a one-size-fits-all diet for everybody. We all have to do things independently of how our genetics are, You know where we were raised, how we were raised, what part of the world we came from all the things. So I think it's just so important to have that open mindset when it comes to food and diet and why I've only advocated for real food. I haven't said you need to be paleo, keto, this or that. It's really about eating as much real food as possible. That will solve probably 80% of the issues. And then you got to dial it in and the other 20%, right? You got to figure out what's right for your body. That reminds me of actually something you said on social as well about how you were reading an article and there was no mention about diet or nutrition in terms of staying healthy during COVID. Yeah. So it was like an article on CNN and it was like seven ways to stay healthy for the second outbreak or whatever. And not one single tip on that page had anything to do with what you eat or the supplements you take or exercise or getting outside and having vitamin D, like nothing, not one single one. It was like how far you can stay away from your grandmother, a mask you can wear and a vaccine that's coming. And that was it. And that's not how we're going to solve these pandemics. This is not how we're going to solve these health crises that we face as a society. We have to get down to the root cause of why there are so many COVID-related deaths and what group of population of people are dying and what other comorbidities they have and study that and what we can do to reduce those comorbidities so that when the next virus comes along, it doesn't wipe us all out and we don't have to shut down the world to handle it. And so talking about COVID has been very challenging because it's been so politically motivated up until I mean, hopefully now that the election is somewhat over, we have less political divide around some of these issues. But I think, you know, we have to realize that health is not a political issue. It's a human issue. And we really have to look at all of these different ways of wellness as a whole, as a society of what's going to really bring us together. And I really wish 
this pandemic would have brought us all together to make us all focused on our health in the correct ways. But I think it's just, it's done the opposite in some respects. And it's really sad. Yeah. I want to know, Vani, because I know that we're getting closer to uh, the wrapping of this episode soon. But I, if you were to rewrite that CNN article, <laughs> and it was a completely unfiltered Vani Hari, the food babe for CNN, giving you free reign, what would you have written in that article? And more specifically, what are the supplements you're taking to keep your immunity high? What are some foods and techniques? What are you doing for you and your family? If you were to lay that out on CNN, what would it say? This is such a great question. I'm dying to know too. And especially because one of the products that I've had my eye on, because so many people talk about it, is vitamin D. And Truvani makes a wonderful vitamin D formulation. Yeah. So I would say I would follow kind of the same principles of any flu season. So my daughter was born during a flu season back in January of 2017. So I had signs up that said, uh, keep calm and wash your hands before you walk in, you know, to my, my house. <laughs> I didn't let anyone wear their shoes in my house. I still don't. But I do take flu season seriously because there's no reason to spread the flu, okay? Just like there's no reason to spread COVID, right? But we got to be sensible about it. So what I would say is wash your hands. Wash your hands before you eat. Wash your hands when you get to a new place. When you come home, wash your hands. Okay, before you touch a newborn baby, <laughs> wash your hands. That's number one. And, and I'm not talking about using hand sanitizer, okay, that's killing all the good bacteria in your body. I'm talking about just good old fashioned hand washing, number one. But I am curious if you are going to use a hand sanitizer, what do you look for in a hand sanitizer? I don't know if I should admit this on, on a podcast. I don't use hand sanitizer. That's fine. I actually think there's so many ways that we can. I mean, just staying at home is the best option because yeah. you can wash your hands. I think hand sanitizer is greatly overused right now, but also people just use it because they're being told to. So I think it's important to talk about that. So I, I don't use any hand sanitizer. I do because I have a daughter now. I have a backpack always with me with like her toys and snacks and stuff. And so we use what's called water wipes and they're 99% water. Yeah, I know those. Those are great. Yeah. And so... I hand one to my husband. I use one and my daughter uses one before we eat, like if we're out at a restaurant or something. Yeah. So that's it. Or if we're at the park, we use those before we have our snack or whatever. That's it. So I'm using basically water and grapefruit extract, but that's it. And then so the second thing is, this is one thing that's always bugged me, is when I used to work in an office and somebody would come in sneezing and hacking and coughing, like, come on stay home. The problem with like American society is we've always valued work over health. When you're sick, you need to stay home and rest, right? Be cognizant of that. And this is very difficult for parents with school-aged children because kids are constantly getting sick. And for you to like put everything on hold to get that kid to stay home has been really difficult. But now the regulations are 10 times worse where if a child has something like that, they have to stay home for a lot longer because of just different regulations depending upon the school that you're in. And so I just wish during certain seasons when there are things that we need to be concerned about, you just you stay home when you're sick, period, right? Stay home when you're sick. Do that for the person, your neighbor, do it for your classmates, do it for your coworkers. Stay home when you're sick. So that's the second thing I would say in that article. 
The third thing I would say is exercise and get outside for 30 minutes a day at least to get natural vitamin D. And most people are deficient in vitamin D and that's why I recommend also a supplement. Our Truvani supplement's amazing because it's a vegan-based supplement. A lot of people don't realize that vitamin D is taken from lamb usually. So we have a plant-based vitamin D supplement that's organic. So check that out. But yeah, get outside, get vitamin D naturally at least 30 minutes a day and exercise. And then the third thing is like avoid sugar and processed foods, eat more vitamin C rich foods. You can take a vitamin C supplement. We also have an organic vitamin C supplement made from almond berries. That's incredible. It's like the highest potency of vitamin C out of any fruit or vegetable. It's credible. That ingredient is also in our immune support supplement that I take personally whenever I have like a tickle in my throat or a little sneeze. I immediately start taking that and has elderberry and other herbs like ginger and garlic and good stuff in there. So I take that too uh, when that happens. But, but really, that's all I would recommend. I wouldn't recommend locking ourselves down. I wouldn't recommend not seeing those that you love. I got a lot of crap for seeing my dad on his birthday this year in April in the middle of the first wave. And my dad is almost 80 years old. This could be his last birthday. So, and obviously I knew I wasn't sick or didn't have any symptoms or anything like that. So I felt comfortable going to see him. I agree with that. I mean, I Jason and I both saw our family members this year. And it's tricky because we get all these different opinions and these there's so much fear. And I think each of us, as you said, Vani, we need to make the decision for ourselves based on what's best for us. And we are, of course, taking risks, but we're taking risks all the time. And I think if we can talk to people and we're everybody is agreeing that we feel comfortable, then we're doing the best that we can and know how and given our circumstances. And I absolutely agree. Spending time with family, especially older people, when you know that neither of you are potentially going to harm each other, then it's so important because none of us know how much time we have. And this year has certainly opened our eyes to that and all this uncertainty. Family is so important. Yeah. I feel like life is too short. I lost my mother-in-law to ovarian cancer several years ago and not spending more time with her is like my only big regret in life. And I just think life is too short to allow the fear of a virus to take over your life. And that's all you hear out there, unfortunately, is the fear. And fear is like the lowest level of one of the lowest levels that you can feel. And in terms of your vibration and positivity, and you really have to just break through that. And that's why I think everyone just needs to turn off the news and get back to wellness. And we're all going to die, right? (laughs) We're all going to die in due time. And if you lived your whole life trying not to die, that's no life to live. Mm. Such good, rich, beautiful wisdom, Vani. And I just love how many nuggets you spread out through this episode. And and that one you just said sticks with me. The other one that sticks with me is the part that you discussed about how much as Americans, we have over-prioritized work versus our wellness. And I love that you personally are a crusader for that. You are one of the leaders in this world of helping people re-landscape their relationship to food and, and what they put in their body and, and loving themselves through food. And we just want to thank you so much for being here, Vani. It's, I mean, just on a personal level, getting to hear your voice and connect 
and having such a deep, rich conversation, but then knowing that we're going to get to share it with all of our listeners. It just, it really it was just such a joyful time with you here. Thank you for spending it with us. Oh, well, this has been great, Whitney and Jason. Thank you so much. This has been, it's been very cathartic for me. So thank you. I've gotten so much off my chest. <laughs> right. I feel, we should do this on a regular basis. Yeah, just have like, like, like confessional with Whitney and Jason and Vani. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just goes to show that this is important part of our well-being is uh, to connect with people. And, and I think that's been my biggest joy during COVID is reaching out to people that I haven't talked to in a while because I've recognized how short life is to your point, Vani. And thank you for that reminder. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your incredible book. And true Vani has really been a blessing. As I said to you when we spoke last week, I am so grateful for the products that you make because I don't have to question them. I know that you have done so much work to make them as amazing as possible. And it's so refreshing to be able to just buy something and trust it in a time where we second guess so much in our lives. So you are just doing so many wonderful things that affect me and Jason and hopefully our listeners. And we know many other people that are transformed by your work. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. And we hope this is just the beginning of more frequent communication with you. I know. I hope I get to see you guys in person soon. That's what I yeah. wish for. Yeah, and picnic. Picnic with squirrels. That's what I hope. <laughs> I hope we get to do a picnic with all of our squirrel friends and bring the kids and bring the animals. Now, again, we're going back to Disney film now, but we can dream. We can dream. <laughs> For you, dear listener, if you want to find all of the references to Vani's incredible books, including Food Babe Kitchen and True Vani, you can access those in the show notes for this episode at wellevator.com. Our website is W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Just click on the podcast section. It will take you to the show notes here where we will link to Vani's New York Times bestselling books, her incredible brand, True Vani, her website, foodbabe.com, and give you some information about this great new healthy holiday guide she has out. So as she mentioned, her book is back in stock on Amazon. It's 20 bucks. They're shipping immediately. And she has a, a free gift when you guys get a copy. Uh, her 100-page healthy holiday guide with holiday recipes, appetizers, main entrees. It looks incredible. I mean, everything Vani does is incredible. So dear listener, jump into Vani's world. You will not regret it. You will feel happier and healthier and more vibrant as a result. And we just appreciate you guys getting uncomfortable with us here today on the podcast. And we'll catch you with another episode very, very soon. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.